Hey, Colleen. Hey, Hannah. So this is between a rock and a hard place, although it kind of looks like a storage closet. But seriously, we're here to talk about life in Iraq. Right. We're going to talk about culture shock, which is really a misnomer and a problem that we have with it is that its term isn't accurate. Yeah, I mean, I think it's important for us to use that term because that's what people know it as. Mm -hmm. But really, shock implies that it's kind of like a one-time thing. And that it's sudden. Right. And as we will discuss, neither of those things is really true. No. So, culture shock for lack of a better term. So what is culture shock? I guess we should start there. Definitions are important. The easiest way to define it is it's the feeling of disorientation experienced by someone who is sub subjected? Subject? I'm reading this, just so you know. <laughs> to the long-term effects of living in a culture that is not their own. So basically, if you are in a different culture of any kind for a long period of time, you're going to kind of suffer through this... Um, experience of of not not knowing who you are not knowing what you should be doing yeah it uses the word disorientation there but i think other words that usually are used to describe it are feelings of confusion frustration not understanding Mm -hmm. and i think everyone experiences culture shock to some extent if they lead at all interesting life (laughs) um you know if you move to a new town yeah. You're going to experience some level of culture shock. Yeah. If you change from a city to, you know, a town or the other, vice versa, mm-hmm. you switch countries or even just regions in the country, right. of the U.S. Or changing jobs, like the culture of your workplace mm-hmm. can change. Mm-hmm. Um, and so everyone's going to go through this to some extent. It's just even more dramatic when you switch cultures. When you switch, yeah, a country, like a full-on culture, it doesn't mean, it's not just one part of your life. Right. It's every part of your life. Every part of your life. Because for both of us, we not only switched cultures, but also, like, the religion where we moved to was different than the mainline religion in America. We both moved from smaller towns to To bigger cities. big cities, yeah. And... At least for me, I completely changed my job. Like, Mm -hmm. I went from doing kind of people and property management to teaching full-time. And I went from being a student to teaching full-time. Right. So, all of those kind of aspects. And living with completely new, like, strangers. Right, right. (laughs) We didn't move there with our families. So, I think we went through this in a big way. I do want to say, though, that if you go on a two-week vacation or missions trip to another country, you're not going to experience culture shock in the terms that we're talking about it. Yeah, you'll run into a few things that you might find frustrating or different or surprising. That's not what we're actually talking about today. Right. Because in those circumstances, you can then leave. Mm -hmm. And you know you're going to leave. Right. And true culture shock is when you have to deal with all of those things without relief. (laughs) (laughs) And you kind of, I mean, I like the the shock term as far as it talks about trauma. Mm Mm-hmm. Because it is traumatic, but it's not all at once traumatic. Right. But it doesn't start out 
as trauma to live in a new country. No, of course not. Um, Kind of the first thing that you go through on the loop of culture shock. The roller coaster, shall we say. Is uh, the honeymoon phase. And you'll hear people talk about this all the time. It's the fun part. Yeah, like I'm pretty sure they stole it from the idea of marriage, where you have your honeymoon phase of like, we get to live together and have all these fun experiences. And then one day, like you have a huge blowout because someone didn't do the dishes or something. I don't know. Yeah, real life hits. Yeah. And that's that's what this is with another country. You get excited about going to the bazaar or taking taxi rides or uh-huh. all of the new fun things that you get to do. The, the difference in language is exciting and the people that you're meeting are all just the most interesting, the most fun mm-hmm. ever. And I think for me, one of those honeymoon stage feelings was visiting my neighbors for the first time. Yeah. Because it was kind of like, yes, here I am. This is the thing that I came here to do, like to get to know the locals and like interact <laughs> with them and get in their homes. And like, because Kurdistan is such a hospitable culture, like I immediately got invited over to people's homes. Mm. And so it's like, I'm sitting in this living room of this person who's going to be my friend and I'm drinking tea and I don't really know what to do. And they don't really know what to do with me because I'm different. And it's so exciting. And it's so exciting. And, like, my, my roommate at the time and I went home and I was like, that was so cool. Like, we got to do this. And we were there for, like, three hours. And it was awesome. <laughs> yep. And that... That's just absolutely the honeymoon stage. Right. And it's it's wonderful. <laughs> so much fun. <laughs> um, and that lasts... I mean, it, it varies from person to person. And it varies depending on how much change you experience even within that beginning season. Right, because your honeymoon phase was kind of... I feel like mine was long Mm -hmm. because a bunch of weird stuff happened and, like, it kept getting kind of put off because I didn't find a rhythm to life for probably a good two months. And I do want to say that, like, this is a beautiful time, but it can also be really frustrating to be someone who has been in the country for like two or three years and then have someone new come in and experience the honeymoon phase. And like, there's this inner desire to just like crush their dreams. (laughs) Well, and too, like so much of it, I remember running into having, you know, team members who came in new and like, they're so excited about what they're learning about the culture that they tell you all these things they've learned Mm -hmm. and not all of those things that they think think they've learned are true right across the board like they just had this one experience and now they take that one good experience and apply it to everything Mm -hmm. you're like you really just want to be like actually no that's a rare thing and you're gonna not like it when the rest of this comes through yeah I definitely had to talk myself into the like just let them have this. Yeah. Just let them have it. It's it's a, it's beautiful. It's beautiful. Mm-hmm. Let them enjoy. Yes. Don't don't be a dream crusher. <laughs> um, because the next kind of phase of culture shock is the crushing of oh. dreams and like, by reality. Have to yeah. It doesn't have to be someone specific that crushes those dreams. It's really just the reality right. of the differences and your crushed expectations. <laughs> Seeing how all of those differences 
actually do affect the details of life. And it it sneaks up on you to some extent. Yeah, you can't you can't see it coming. As we were talking and prepping for this, I think we were both kind of trying to come up with, yeah, what was the moment that I was like, this is the thing that triggered all of my frustration? I kind of have one. Well, you have a moment where you noticed it. Right. That's not really what was all of it. And in that moment, I wouldn't have been like, this is the thing that is making me want to go back to America. Mm -hmm. So that story is, um, I think we were a couple weeks in to teaching, which means I have been there for probably about six weeks, maybe a little longer. And that's, I think, what is considered the stereotypical time frame is about six weeks into a long-term stay is when you start, or when you hit the frustration moment. More of the Mm frustration, yeah. It's building, even in the honeymoon phase. Where the happy starts to become less and the frustration starts to become more. Yeah. So we had decided that we'd had a long week and we were going to go get pizza and we had heard about this place in our neighborhood that we could walk to and (laughs) you can already tell that you were wanting something American in that Mm -hmm. which I'm not sure you would have identified in that moment right right not at all so we start walking in the direction that we were told to walk in and we get to this building that's kind of it's a tall building and it looks like there are like restaurants in the building. We don't really want to go any farther because to continue going in that direction meant walking kind of around a construction site and then across a four-lane highway um, Mm. to where there was like one other building but then everything else there wasn't anything. Like now there's a bunch of apartment buildings and stuff back there but at the time there wasn't anything else. So there are these these older Kurdish men kind of hanging out on the porch of what I now assume was an apartment complex but did not recognize it as such at the time. Mm -hmm. And they, you know, asked, like, what are you looking for? Where are you going? Because we looked lost. (laughs) And we're like, we're looking for, like, pizza. And they were like, what? (laughs) That word means nothing to us. (laughs) Um, And so we were like, a place where we can get food. And they were like, oh, like, there's a shop right here. And we were like, no, like, already made cooked food. Cooked food. And they were like, oh, yeah, there's nothing like that here. You have to, like, go across the highway. (laughs) And in that building over there, maybe you'll find what you're looking for. And I just remember in that moment being like, no, no, this is too hard. I don't want to. I want to go home. Did you tell your teammate that? Yeah, and I, like, we kind of were like, okay, thank you, and, like, walked away so we could make the decision, Mm -hmm. and I was just like, no, I don't want to. We'll just go home, and we'll eat whatever is there. I don't care anymore. Really, it was when I got home and had pouted for a while that I was (laughs) kind of like, what is going on? What's wrong with me? I feel like that is the key question that both I and my teammates I heard people over and over be like, I'm not usually like this. Mm-hmm. What's wrong with me? Yes. It's kind of the the center of that frustration, the tipping point of like, wait a second. Right. And I, I can look back at that now and kind of dissect the like cultural things that frustrated me in that moment. Yeah? Like what? Um, like the fact that there were no street signs. Yes. And so we didn't have an address to go to for this <laughs> restaurant. Right. And we didn't really know where it was. Right. Because there were no street signs. There were no street signs. 
the fact that we had to walk, I think, caused mm. some frustration because it was kind of the hot part of the year. And, or we didn't know enough Kurdish to convey to a taxi driver, this is where we would like to go. Right. Because we also didn't know the name of the restaurant. And then the idea of crossing a four-lane highway in a country where people don't have a lot of respect for pedestrians. Mm-hmm. And feeling like that was, like, the riskiest thing that I could possibly do at that point. Yeah. And then, what if something did happen? What would we do? Like, do they have an ambulance service? Is there a hospital? Who do we call? There were so many things that I didn't know that it didn't seem like a risk I was willing to take. Mm -hmm. And just the frustration of there not being enough cheese. I just really wanted melty cheese on bread. So yeah. those are like aspects of culture that I can see that in that moment just really frustrated me. Yeah, and I think we don't realize the the layers of that. I mean, uh, the appearance of everything is mm-hmm. different from what you're used to. The languages that mm-hmm. you hear spoken around you are different than you're used to. The habits of people the expectations of people and like some of those like are really surface level differences Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. but once you get past those you also have people's beliefs and perceptions about people you know learning things like if you put on chapstick in a public place it can be considered seductive and like calling attention to yourself or you know these weird things that even after you've gotten kind of worked through some of it like there's always more layers of difference Mm -hmm. and those layers are affecting you even if you can't put your finger on them right but I do think being able to identify and I was able to after I came down out of the emotion of the moment (laughs) be like this is culture shock oh that does help it really helps just being able to identify oh this is culture shock. I can work through this. Right. I, I will live. Mm-hmm. I will come out the other side of this. It can be hard to identify, and different people react differently. So we have kind of a list of symptoms, and we'll, I guess we'll talk a little bit about how we experience those. Yeah. Are you wondering what to do with your life? We've got some ideas. Come check them out at www.servantgroup.org slash Iraq. I think the first one that is usually said is like sadness, loneliness, melancholy, Mm -hmm. or even depression that Mm -hmm. like you just feel sad. It's not necessarily that there has to be some specific thing going on that makes you feel sad. It's just you are. You are because you're dealing with the differences in, in the culture. And we'll talk some more about why that is. Another thing is it's two sides. Like you either sleep a lot or you don't sleep and for me it was definitely I I slept a lot more Mm -hmm. I would come home from school and be like I just need to take a nap yeah and then I'd be like oh it's nine o'clock I'm going to bed it was good that I had school to get up for in the morning Mm -hmm. and had like responsibilities because I really do think in some of those stages I would have just slept for most of the day I think uh one of the ones that we didn't neither of us really experienced Mm -hmm. are being preoccupied with health or actual other physical symptoms like aches pains allergies but one of our good friends was telling us about all of her hypochondria over her health issues and again i think that does tie a little bit into what you were talking about with crossing the road if something were to go wrong i don't know how to deal with it Mm -hmm. like if i were diagnosed with something you know or if i do have this problem 
How do I go to the doctor? How do I communicate with a doctor? How do I, you know, pay for that? How do I... And all of that unknown amplifies your potential concerns about yourself, at least in Iraq. You can also, I think you said this, changes in temperament. Mm. That feeling of like, I'm not usually like this. Mm -hmm. Um, And feeling really vulnerable or like you don't, you're not in control of anything. I remember seeing it, you know, sometimes express itself in anger or, you know, being more irritable. Right. Short tempered. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Also with the sadness or, you know, just being depressed or not being as active. But for other people, it may exhibit itself as being really restless and more mm-hmm. active. Mm-hmm. Um, but it is just a shift from how you at least viewed yourself as normal before. Right. There also tends to be kind of this extra clinginess to your own culture or your own country mm-hmm. or really being like, yes, you know, in our case, America is the like rose tinted glasses of your previous life. And I, f- I don't feel like I had dealt with this so much. I didn't know, I don't think I dealt with it as much about America as a whole, but I definitely dealt with it in regards to, like, my family and my family life and, like, Mm -hmm. the things that my family valued. It's like, oh, those are all the best things. And tied with that, I think, for me at least, was this sense of identity, you know, because Mm -hmm. so much of my identity growing up in a small town was my family and my relationships with the people in my hometown, and that really shifted when I moved overseas. Those long-term relationships, I lost some of those. Like, some of those people had no interest in keeping in touch. And who I was, you know, as the, I don't know, the weird good girl, (laughs) I don't know what exactly my... Who loves flowers. Who loves flowers, shifted, and suddenly, like, I was the Iraq girl. And, like, it was hard to deal with that shift Mm -hmm. and I didn't know exactly where I fit there when I went back to my home culture but also like nobody in this new place knew me at all and I had a completely different role and a completely different which is again liberating for about six weeks and then it's like (laughs) no one here knows me at all who am I without my family right who am I without my church right who am I without the habits and rhythms of my academic life as a student or as, you know, a coffee shop worker or, you know, that kind of stuff. Yeah. I think for me, my identity struggle was more, I deal with things with humor a lot. Mm. Um, And so in a culture where I don't know what is acceptable humor and I don't have the language skills to be funny. Yeah. I, it ended up making me very quiet a lot of times. Like Mm. I'm not normally like really loquacious anyway, but where normally I would, like, insert a joke of some kind, and that's, like, how I get people to like me. There was a lot of, I don't know what to say, and I feel like it would be inappropriate for me to joke about this. So it it would make me silent and then sad, because no one thought I was funny, because they didn't know that I'm a really funny person. (laughs) I think there's also, you start to lose your ability to solve problems. Yeah. Because you're so overwhelmed with everything else. Well, you're solving all sorts of problems or learning all sorts of things constantly that your brain really does get taken up with everything. Mm-hmm. And you run out. And and you find yourself, like, in the middle of doing something you've done a hundred times and just being like, I don't 
know how to do this any like yeah what wait what what comes next right I don't know what the next step is <laughs> I felt that way about computer problems a lot of times hmm. if I had any kind of like we used a lot of excel sheets yeah and I'm pretty good at excel but I would find myself getting to a point of being like I can't figure out how to make this work mm. and I'm done like I'm just <laughs> done with it yeah I think for me, I re- remember thinking about it more with new problems, not necessarily things that I've done a hundred times, but like, I remember especially, th- was one time we had this problem with part of our plumbing under our kitchen sink, like just falling apart, like it would just fall off randomly. It mm-hmm. wasn't attached well. And I probably could have taken the time to go figure out how to tape it or glue it or whatever. Mm-hmm. But it just seemed too big of a problem to try to fix or try to figure out on my own. And then uh, we brought somebody in to help us, you know, who was helping take care of our house. And he was supposed to help us fix it. And it was on because we kept sticking it back on. And he was like, it looks fine. And my teammate walked over to the plumbing under the sink and she, like, yanks it off and goes, no, it's not fine. It needs fixed. (laughs) Yep. And, like, we both had reached that point where we're like, this is a problem we cannot solve. Mm-hmm. Not because it's an impossible problem. Right. But we're, we just, we can't. We can't solve it. Right. I think the other part of that, and I guess maybe part of what causes that inability to solve, is sometimes we spend too much time or try too hard to absorb everything mm-hmm. in the new culture. For me, that was, at first, language and also, like understanding everything right that was going on or like why people did everything that's also exhausting and you can't actually learn it all instantaneously right it ends up being very frustrating for sure kind of flowing out of that too is that you begin to lack confidence in your ability to do things and for me I grew up dealing with teenagers I spent a lot of time working with teenagers as a young adult. And so I felt like I would love teaching like sixth graders. And I ended up being really frustrated with that group of kids, which made me lose confidence even in walking into the classroom. Hmm. Like I would just walk in and be like, these kids are just going to run over me and I don't know how to deal with them, which made me a less effective teacher which kind of became a self-fulfilling prophecy, as it were, because I just didn't think I could do it, and then I couldn't do it, because Mm -hmm. they knew that I didn't think I could do it, and so they made it even harder. And that's also a a shift in your identity, in your perception Mm of your own skill set and who you are. Yeah. That goes along with another symptom, you know, feeling inadequate or insecure. When you are constantly bombarded with things that you don't know and don't understand... You're going to feel that way. Yep. And then you can start developing stereotypes about the culture that you're in Mm -hmm. because you react to it in such a way that you're like, oh, all Kurds are like this or all teenagers are like this. Um, and And a fairly innocuous one that we had was whenever we would be as a team like talking about one of our students and we would say, 
one of the names that was fairly common and someone else would be like well which one and we go oh you know dark hair dark eyes about this tall because all of our students had dark hair dark eyes and were about the same height um and so it kind of became a joke and we definitely would never have said it in front of our students it's not particularly offensive i don't think but it did become stereotypical of us just being like I can't process who each of these people are individually, and so I'm just going to stereotype that they all look the same to me. Another symptom is developing obsessions, such as, like, over-cleanliness or um, over-exercise. Um, I think kind of goes along with sometimes the preoccupation with health. Right. Um, I know a lot of uh, Americans in my area, my city, were regularly trying different health fads or health, whether it was grain-free or gluten-free or mm -hmm. vegetarian or... There was always a new thing going through the community, and I think that was partly a way to control what felt uncontrollable in, in life and deal with some of that culture shock. And the last two, which I feel like we've kind of talked about to some extent, are... Um, you really have a longing for family, and you definitely have feelings of being lost, overlooked, exploited, or abused. Mm -hmm. um, I think we we talked about longing for family for sure. But yeah, there starts you start to have kind of a martyr complex of like, poor sad me. No one pays attention to all the hard work that I do. Well, and because you don't have all of those familiar people and connections, you aren't receiving the regular feedback that you normally do that those regular relationships of encouragement and friendship right or you are receiving them in a way that's culturally appropriate to the culture you're in but you don't <laughs> recognize it right as feedback you're yeah. just like no one notices yeah and you know you talk to your supervising teacher and they're like i mean i do notice but we just don't talk about that in this culture or I let you know that I noticed by, like, not yelling at you this week. It's like, that's not... Or I sent you a thumbs-up emoji on the, right. you know, Viber group, mm -hmm. or... That should be enough. So we go on for, like, 30 more minutes on this topic, and we figured we'd cut it in half, give you guys a break to digest. Join us for the next episode to find out what happens when you get culture shock. You can find us at Servant Group International on Facebook or Instagram or on our website at servantgroup.org. Yeah, and if you have a question that we haven't answered yet, send us an email or Facebook message. We'd love to hear from you.